Freedom Fighters Code Gray. This is a show where we discuss human trafficking, an issue that's impacting our communities. We often think about human trafficking as something that happens in other places, in other countries, not in our own backyard. But in fact, in the city of Barrie, we have double the national trafficking rate. Children are being recruited as young as 12 years old. We know 90% of people who are trafficked in Canada from within Canada's borders. So this is an issue that impacts all of us. And today I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Dominique, who is a freedom fighter here in Ontario. Welcome, Dominique. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on the show. So could you share with us, for our viewers who are just tuning in and might not know anything about trafficking, like what is this injustice? Mm -hmm. So usually how I describe human trafficking are individuals who've been uh, manipulated emotionally, mentally, psychologically um, for the benefit of another person. And so that other person usually benefits uh, monetarily and that can typically be done through labor or sexual exploitation. And specifically in Ontario, which is where I talk about a lot, um, it's mainly uh, sexual exploitation where human trafficking happens. So where does your story begin as a freedom fighter, as someone who's like, hey, human trafficking is happening in Ontario and I want to do something about it? Yeah, that's such a great question. So my parents were huge social justice advocates and they raised us um, and educated us a lot. And I remember, I think it was my grade 11 presentation I had to do in school and I did it about human trafficking. And I think at the time I did it about human trafficking in general. And one of the countries I talked about was India. And I remember thinking, well, if I was in India, I would do something about it. But obviously human trafficking is not happening here. And at the time I was mm -hmm. living in Sarnia. And uh, so I, I don't know what I can do. And so that's kind of where it started. Um, but I was always really passionate about doing something. And then about four or five years ago, I was living in Guelph. And I read a newspaper article and was talking about human trafficking happening in Guelph in the area. And I was shocked. I was like, how is this happening? In, you know, in my backyard. And, uh, and then I remember thinking, well, I always said I was going to do something about it. So um, I guess I'm going to do something about it. So that's kind of how it began. Wow. I really admire just like you hearing about this injustice that's happening in our world and like your immediate response is to act and to do something. So that can be overwhelming for some people, right, to hear about trafficking. What is that first step that you took when you were like, this is happening in Guelph, this is happening in my backyard? What is that first step of action that you took to fight this injustice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is overwhelming. And mm -hmm. I think if, you're, um, if your heart goes out for people who have an injustice happen to them, um, often you want to do something and you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly how I felt. And so I remember reading a newspaper article and then I was like, well, okay, well, I guess I'm going to Google and research how it's happening in Ontario. Like, that's crazy. And at the time, I thought human trafficking looked like how the movie Taken portrayed it. Mm. So, you know, I was like, okay, clearly these girls are getting kidnapped and held against their will. And I was like, how's that happening? So then I started researching. And the more research I did, um, 
I was like, okay, that's not how it's happening. It's far more coercive, coercive, deceptive than Taken portrays it to be. And so I would say that's my first, that was my first step is educating and researching more about what it looks like. Hmm. And so often when I talk about people who want to do something about it, I think that's the biggest step is number one, educating yourself on what it looks like. Um, but the second step I would say is you shouldn't stay in the education piece too long. Otherwise it can become really overwhelming because um, the stories are really heartbreaking and um, you can stay stuck. So I would say the first step is for sure research. There's a lot of information out there on YouTube and Google, um, but definitely move from research and knowledge to the second step. Mm -hmm. And I really resonate with what you're sharing. And I'm yeah, really thankful for you just identifying that for our viewers that educate yourself. And I know a helpful resource or tool for folks who are like, I know nothing about trafficking. I'm tuning in. I'm just learning about this for the first time. There's a website that's funded by our Ontario government called helptrafficpersons.org. It's a free online training course where you can learn about human trafficking, what it looks like in Ontario, how to identify the signs and indicators and really educate yourself with knowledge, but also yeah, doing research, learning people's stories through news articles. And as advocates share what's happening, continue to be in that place of learning. And so you mentioned not being in that place of learning for so long that you just kind of become apathetic or, you know, um, overwhelmed and not able to take a step forward. What was the next step for you? What did that step to action look like after you did the education and research? Mm -hmm. And this is a piece I'm actually very passionate about. So I think education without action leads to apathy mm -hmm. because the more you know about it and you feel stuck and you don't know what you can do about it, the more, um, you tend to not pay attention. So I know that actually is almost how I started going. It's like, I know so much about human trafficking in Ontario. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not gonna go, you know, wander around the streets and so what else can I do? So then the next step I took was I contacted a couple organizations in the area that work with um, people who have been trafficked and I just started volunteering. So mm -hmm. they would do um, fundraisers, I served tea, I just got involved as much as possible. And so I think for anybody who uh, wants to do something about it, taking that next step and finding out organizations in the area, seeing how you can contribute, whether it's just serving tea or not, it makes a big, big difference. Yeah, I love that so much because I think there's so many ways that people can volunteer with partner organizations, anti-trafficking organizations, but even in the community in ways that helps prevent people from being exploited or in situations where maybe there's a higher risk of someone being vulnerable to human trafficking. So thank you for just like mm -hmm. encouraging people to volunteer, to get involved in their community and that there is something they can do, whether that's serving tea, right? It's yeah. not necessarily having to be like in a huge impactful position or things like that. It can be simple things that we do day to day that can make a difference in someone's life and that's where the change begins. So I know that you went on a really interesting and <laughs> exciting endeavor recently. I did. And I'm wondering if you can share with us a bit about um, how your idea to be in this position of advocacy came about and, and why you went and embarked on a bike ride yeah. <laughs> across the province of Ontario. <laughs> Yeah, so that is, uh, that's quite the story. So um, fast forwarding, so I was volunteering and I wanted to do something else. And so I decided I was gonna make a documentary about human trafficking in Ontario. And so I was in the middle of doing that. Um, it was the first time I've ever made a documentary. So I was in the middle of doing that and um, I was like, there's something else 
I want to do to raise awareness. And so it was in June of 2019. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. People run marathons to raise awareness. Maybe I'll do that. And I was like, well, that seems like a lot of effort. Um, so, so then I was like, yeah, I tried that. It didn't go over very well. <laughs> so then I was like, okay. So I was like, I'll bike. And I was like, oh, if I bike for one day, that's not really the impact I want to make. So I decided I was going to bike from Ottawa to Windsor and kind of meander my way through. I think it ended up being 22 towns. And uh, so I ended up being 1,100 kilometers. So I biked 1,100 kilometers. I think I stopped in about 22 towns. Um, I did a lot of media interviews and talks within community. And it was one of the most impactful experiences I've had. Hmm. Now, are you a cyclist? Like, do you love biking? Are you like, this would be like a fun way to spend my month you know, of October, 2019, yes. like just biking across the province. Like, yeah. Um, so no, I hadn't biked in years. I didn't have a bike. And so, um, you didn't even have a bike. No, I didn't have a bike. So this is, uh, this is something I'm really, uh, I find quite humorous is I think when you're committed to making a difference, you're going to find a way. And so I decided I'm going to bike. I hadn't biked in years. I'm not a, athlete I think people are like oh she's gonna bike 1100 kilometers clearly she's athletic I'm not an athlete and uh, I had it trained and um, I just decided I was gonna do it and so I, uh, I found a bike on my porch that wasn't even mine and I just started training with it Nobody else was using it. Whose bike is this? So I started. I started training, and when I say started training, I trained five times and biked about twenty kilometers each time before I began October first, and uh, and that's how it began. Wow! And you mentioned this being like one of the most impactful things that you've ever done. Is there like a story that you can highlight from you know this journey that you went on that when you think back to it, it kind of sticks in your mind and is something that continues to propel you forward. There's no one specific story, but what I would say is I think it's the, you know, drops in the bucket. So, um, the most impactful experience that was left with me was once I knew that my voice mattered. So I would go and I would do media interviews and I would talk with people and it created a change over there on their end. And once I knew that my voice mattered, um, I knew that I could go and make that difference. And I think that was probably the most impactful thing. And I think for individuals who want to make a difference, often they're like, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will, or Mm. I'm not good enough, or I don't know how to. Um, But once you can transfer from, I don't know how to, my voice doesn't matter, I don't know what to do, to anything I do makes a difference. it's, it creates an entirely different uh, perspective on the impact you can make in the world. Wow, that is so inspiring. You know, just um, hearing the way that you're sharing about finding your voice and making a difference and having an idea and then just taking that step forward and that risk almost. Like, it's a risk. You're stepping out, trying something new, mm-hmm. going bicycling across the province, figuring out, you know, the robot. What was... 
what was it like for you to kind of overcome those obstacles maybe of trying something new and overcoming a risk? Terrifying. I think um, I made a very conscious decision to be pretty authentic and vulnerable throughout the tour. And so I would do a Facebook Live every day. And the easy thing to do on the Facebook Lives would have been like, today I'm biking 100 kilometers. This is so great. Um, but I really wanted to portray the ups and downs of a journey. Um, and so there's times I went on the Facebook live and I was just like, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm tired. I don't know what to do. It's extremely uncomfortable. And I think this is a thing I often love to highlight is if you're out there doing something that's risky, it's extremely uncomfortable. And, um, and you should expect to have an emotional roller coaster because you're pushing the edge of what and beyond the edge of what's comfortable. And so for me, it was actually very emotional, a roller coaster. Some days I was like, this is great. And sometimes I'd be like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Um, and, uh, and so I think I often, I really like to touch on that. Because I think when people are like, I'm going to go make a difference in the world. And then they experience, you know, maybe a downturn of, I'm just feeling really bad right now. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, they potentially stop. Hmm. And I, I like to talk about that's just part of it. And that's to be expected. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you should just expect that. And I don't think that's talked about often enough. Mm -hmm. um, when it's like, go make an impact in the world. Go follow your passion. Um, and what's not talked about is the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the, it was 29 days. Because I got into Ottawa on the 29th day. It was a roller coaster. And I finished on the 29th day. And quite frankly, I don't... I, I actually did not want to talk to anybody on that last day. I wanted to go finish biking and go back home and hide. Because mm -hmm. I was just like, uh, I just didn't. And, um, and so there was a reception, like, you know, there was MPs that met me on the hill and all this stuff, which was so great. And I was so thankful for that. Um, but it was an interesting, uh, like, contrast to... You know, my expectation of being like, yes, I did this thing. Um, but then I really wanted to go and just be by myself. Mm -hmm. And I really want to highlight that because I think if people aren't aware that that is part of the journey of being a person who pushes the edge of their comfort zone and pushes the edge, um, they could get to that experience and being like, why am I sad or why am I upset and why do I want to go hide in the mm. closet right now mm. um and that takes them out of making a difference in the world so I often like to talk about that yeah and I really appreciate your openness your honesty and your authenticity right like we're human beings and we have emotions and when we try new things and challenging things it's not always easy it's not always the way it like looks in the media interviews or these snapshots of like riding a bike along yeah. the one corridor you know what I mean like yeah. it's difficult it's tough so thanks for your bravery thanks for your courage for doing this important thing to raise awareness on this injustice that's impacting our communities so we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back to continue hearing this inspiring story of Dominique's journey to raise awareness on human trafficking
back to Freedom Fighters Code Grey, a TV show where we discuss human trafficking and how it's impacting our communities. I'm here with my guest, Dominique, who's sharing her story and her journey of biking across the province from Windsor to Ottawa um, to raise awareness on human trafficking. So Dominique, can you just share a little bit with me about, you know, what did a typical day look like when you're on this bike journey? Was there one, you know, what kind of, you would wake up in the morning, was there a strategy, was there a plan, was it go with the flow? Like how did this? Yeah, so I'm a pretty go with the flow person, um, but the usual day, so I would usually bike anywhere from about 60 kilometers to 100 kilometers each day. My longest day was 130 kilometers, wow. which is a lot, especially yes. since I hadn't trained. Um, so I would bike, usually about five to six hours a day, depending on how slow I wanted to take things. And, um, and then some evenings I would have events in the community. So I would have a talk in the community. So that was a couple of the nights and, um, and then I would have media interviews and, uh, and then it was a lot of emailing. So I would bike during the day. I would do, you know, the community conversations or the media interviews and then at night, I would spend a lot of time emailing. And then I essentially did that the entire month. And so how many days exactly were you biking? Because that seems so like physically and emotionally demanding. Like how did you take care of yourself in this process? And how long was this bike ride? So I started in, um, I started in Windsor on October 1st. I finished in Ottawa on the 29th. Of 2019. Of 2019. And then I took, uh, but I spent a week in Toronto. So I didn't bike for a week in there because I was doing some work. And, um, and so most of the time it was actually, uh, once you got, once I got into a rhythm, it was, it was good. And this is actually something I like to talk about with people who are doing something um, that they've never done before, or it seems like this big thing. So in total, I biked 1,100 kilometers. People are like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. <laughs> but if you break it down into small, sizable steps each day, it's actually not that crazy. So um, for anybody who wants to go do something, and it's like, this, it's this crazy thing, just break it down into a day-by-day. Day. So for me, biking 70, 80 kilometers a day in a five hour period was actually not overly exerting. And um, yeah, so you just take it one step at a time. That's or incredible. one kilometer at a time when you're cycling. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. And your story is so inspiring. It makes me want to try to bike across the province. I don't, I don't think I could do it. I think my legs would fall off. But I'm really, yeah, I'm really grateful for just the work that you're doing and for the step that you took um, to raise awareness on trafficking through riding your bike across the province. So I guess the question I have for you now is, what's next? Like, what is your next step in advocacy? What's your next step in fighting trafficking? Or yeah, what, what are you doing now? What are you up to? I am asked that a lot. And the honest answer would be, I really don't know. And, um, and I have a couple of things that are, are, are kind of cooking. So, um, and here's the thing is also, uh, I just, in this entire journey, I've just taken one step at a time. So the first step was I educated myself on what human trafficking looked like. The second step was I started volunteering in organizations fighting human trafficking. And then the third step was I would start having conversations with people, um, which then led me into starting to create a documentary. So even if you don't know what you can do, because um, I'm a, I'm a, 
passionate person on talking about what each individual's voice can contribute. And so you may not know what you can do, but you just need to take the next step. So for me, I didn't know I could make a documentary and I just started having conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the documentary started unfolding. So after the bike tour, the documentary is, is I'm in the middle of making a documentary. I did the bike tour and then now um, the documentary is going to get readjusted. And I actually think the next step is going to be a web series on educating people about what human trafficking looks like, specifically in Ontario. And so I'm currently in the phase of recreating that um, and then fundraising and creating the capital to actually make that web series happen. And I've never done it before. So it really is like step by step having conversations with people. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is I'm cooking up my next, um, my next adventure. And, um, it might have to do with kayaking from Alaska to California. What? Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I've never kayaked really before, but again, I think once you've done something you have never done before, there's a formula in recreating it. So the formula is this, this is my experience. This is what's worked for me and maybe it can work for somebody else. So this is my formula. I have an idea. Um, so my idea was I'm going to cycle across Ontario. I go talk to a couple really close friends and I commit to doing it with a couple close friends. So, uh, then a couple weeks later, when you think it's a really bad idea, and you're like, scratch this, I, I've never cycled before, what am I doing? You have those really close friends who are like, Dominic, it's fine, it's okay, you can do it. And it keeps you accountable because once you step out of the moment of inspiration into reality, um, I think it's easy to get scared mm-hmm. of those big dreams and that impact you wanna make. So it's really, really important for me, for anybody who's stepping outside of their comfort zone, to have a person or two or three that they commit that they're gonna do it. And so then you do that, and then you just have conversations with people who know more about you about the thing you want to do. Mm. So um, in cycling, I never really cycled that long distance before. So I had conversations with people who are long distance cyclists. You know, what type of nutrition do I need? What gear do I need? And then you just figure that out. Um, I'd never done a media press tour before. Um, I was very blessed with the amount of press I got on the tour. And how that happened was I talked with another person who was a journalist. And she mm. was like, Dominique, this is the email you need to send out. This is what you need to do. And then I just did that. And so um, it really is very possible to take this big, crazy dream and goal you have to make an impact um, and create it and have it happen in reality. It's just consistently taking those actions um, and talking with people who know more about you, um, about it than you do. And taking action on that. I love that. So you have an idea in your head and um, you share it with someone else. So that creates like an accountability network mm-hmm. almost to be like, 
yeah, pursue this dream, pursue this goal, you know, and be your cheerleaders to encourage you on when you're feeling, you know, maybe self-doubt or even when I was like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't bike, you know, you might say to me, no, no, you can do it too. You should do it. Right. (laughs) Like, and like take that lie or that insecurity and turn it into confidence. And then also learning, like asking people who are experts in biking or people who know knowledge in a certain area, figure out how to do it and break it down. I love that. Break down the goal so it doesn't seem like so big and unachievable, but that it's something concrete that people can do. So I'm wondering in a few minutes, if you could just share with us really quickly, like what is something that you would encourage our viewers to do as a way that they can make a difference, as a way that they can fight trafficking in their communities. So for those who are really um, committed to making a difference in fighting human trafficking, I would go Google in your area, people who are actively involved in Mm -hmm. fighting it, go email them and say, what can I do to help this? And there are so many, so many different ways. You could get involved in education. You can get involved in, you know, the rehabilitation piece. You get involved in the proactive piece. There's so many places. So I would just say, go use Google, find find the people who are involved in your community and ask how you can help. Is there any like closing thought that you have or takeaway that you want people to know from your journey and for it's inspiring them um, to, you know, make a difference in the world? I think it's easy to hear my story and be like, oh, that's her. I can never bike 1100 kilometers. And my, uh, if I could say one thing is like, do not separate you from me. I've never biked 1100 kilometers. You can do it. You are capable of doing it. Go risk and go be uncomfortable and go do the thing you want to do. Even if you don't think you can do it. Hmm. That's so encouraging and so inspiring. And yeah, Dominique, I'm just so grateful that you took the time to be here today, to be on the talk show and to share with us and to inspire others through your story that everyone can make a difference. Everyone can take a step to change and to make our world a better place and to raise awareness on injustices that are happening in our communities and to do something like each person can make a difference, right? And so I'm so grateful for your story and for the time you've taken to share with us today. And viewers, thanks for taking the time to watch Freedom Fighters Code Grey. I just wanted to end with and um, let you know that if you know someone that's being trafficked, if they're in immediate danger, if you or someone you know is in immediate danger, please call 911. If you are looking for support Support and services or more information on trafficking, you can call our Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline that's open 24-7. And the number for the hotline is 1-833-900-1010. Again, that's 1-833-900-1010. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch Freedom Fighters Code Grey. We hope to catch you next week.